Welcome to you wherever you are at, whomever you're with. We are so very glad that you have joined us for these few moments together. We're going to jump right into our weekend teaching series. We're in a series called uh, Powerful Life. And it's based on the idea that uh, we can't live lives that are full without power. Yeah, how many have learned that living well in this world requires strength, requires resolve, resiliency, grit, and uh, ability? It, uh, all those things are required to uh, overcome the challenges and step into the opportunities that life presents to us. Well, here's the good news uh, that's at the heart of this series. It is not God's will for us to live an unempowered life. Uh, it has never been God's will for people to embark upon life and not have the ability they need to do life well. And uh, here's one of the ways that God's word expresses his will for us. Uh, Paul writes to Timothy in Second uh, Timothy 1, he says, God has not given us a spirit that makes us timid, but he's given us a spirit of power and of love and of self discipline. Uh, you see, in other words, with God's help, we have everything we need to live really well. In fact, we have everything we need to live abundantly, and that's God's heart. Over the last couple of weeks, if you didn't uh, catch the first three parts of this series, I would encourage you to go on our website, check them out. Uh, but uh, just a couple of the key truths that we highlighted in our quest to live powerfully and to live full lives. Uh, to experience the power of God, uh, we have to be willing to break from powerless religion and from lifeless traditions. In fact, in another letter, uh, Paul says, it's really easy to slip into this way of holding the form of religion, but denying and not accessing the power of it to change our lives, the power of God to truly change us. Well, why do we do that? Well, one of the reasons is it's a bit scary. As we saw with Peter, it's challenging to step out of the boat of our comfort into the chaos uh, and to meet head on the challenges and the opportunities that are in front of us. And so we made this observation. Uh, God meets us when we step into the place of vulnerability, and that's a key word that stands between where we are and where we'd like to be or where God is leading us. And it's our willingness to take risks, to uh, step uh, out from behind our protective shell and to engage with the uh, sometimes the battles of life and know that it's in those moments that God wants to empower us with love and uh, of self-discipline, the ability to direct our lives in purposeful and intentional ways. Well, this weekend, uh, as we come to the end of this series, my message is called Applied Power. Uh, applied Power. And it's the idea that uh, power doesn't do you a lot of good unless you apply it in the right way. You know, when I was a teenager, uh, I've shared a number of stories with you about my uh, cars that usually didn't work optimally. And uh, one time I had a car that the uh, clutch was going out. And uh, if you know anything about mechanics, you know that the, uh, the clutch is required to transfer the power that the engine generates into the wheels that make you move. And uh, if your clutch is working, uh, the power 
that the engine generates doesn't engage with the drive line and turn the wheels. Well, I had a clutch that was going bad. And I remember it, it, the car worked fine if I was going downhill or I was on level ground. But as soon as I started to hit any kind of an incline, the, uh, the clutch would lose its ability to transfer the power from the engine to the wheels and I would slow down. And uh, you know, that's just one of many uh, applications that uh, we've got to understand how it is we access the power of God and apply it to life's real situations. You know, the very definition of applied physics is the application of the science of physics to helping human beings solve their problems. Hear that again. The, the very definition of applied physics is it's the application of the science of physics, the theory, the potential, to actually helping human beings solve their problems. The same is true of applied psychology. It's the application of psychological principles to solve problems of the human experience and so on. Well, uh, God has given us the spirit of power and of love and of sound mind. And this message today is how, how do we apply that to make our lives better, to solve human problems and help us overcome life's challenges? Because the truth is, uh, when we apply power, that's when the fun starts. Uh, think of, uh, think of uh, power producing the, uh, the forward thrust for a plane to take off, or better yet, for the rocket power needed to lift a spaceship beyond the pull of Earth's gravity. It's, it's that kind of application of power that makes a difference in our lives. I think of the, the many stories uh, in the Gospels and the good news of the life that Jesus lived and the things that he did. Uh, many of the works that Jesus did were applications of God's power to meet human needs. And probably one of the most dramatic is found in a couple of the Gospels. But in Mark chapter 5, uh, Jesus gets out of the boat and he encounters a man who, as the story unfolds, had many demons living inside of him. And this guy's life was a wreck. In fact, some of the things that are said about him is that he was uh, chained and uh, he often broke the chains and was crying out. Uh, through the middle of the night, he would strip his clothes off in a sense of self-shame. Uh, we're told uh, that he would take the rocks and use them to cut himself. And, and when Jesus himself approached this man, uh, he cried out and said, I know who you are, the Son of God. Have you come to torture me? And, and so this man was literally locked up, uh, weighed down, oppressed, living in brokenness and shame. And uh, in a moment, uh, Jesus applied the power of God and liberated this man. And uh, the end of that wonderful story says that some people from the town who had often tried to chain this guy up, they came out and they, they noticed that he was uh, sitting, he was clothed, and he was in his uh, right mind. And so a dramatic uh, example of the application of heaven's power to meet uh, life's most dramatic needs. Well, uh, we're going to look at a prayer today where uh, the Apostle Paul literally uh, takes hold of the power of God and brings it into the lives of his some of his friends through prayer. 
He's, he's flipping the switch. He's uh, you know, turning the breakers on. He's igniting the engines. He's saying, it's time to empower these friends of mine to be able to live well in this world. And uh, here's what he prays in Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. Uh, For this very reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I pray that out of uh, that loving Father, that heavenly Father, who, who loves to give good gifts to his children, Jesus taught, Paul says, I pray that that Father would, out of his glorious riches, that he might strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. See, uh, Paul is praying for uh, an amazing work of power, an incredible release uh, that the God of heaven would do something that is so mighty and so uh, life-changing and so beneficial in the hearts of these friends of his uh, that almost like however you believe creation took place, when God said, let there be light, uh, some say a big bang happened at that moment. Uh, But we know this from the testimony of Scripture that when God said it, it happened. And the Apostle Paul uses that same language in 2 Corinthians 5. He says, the same God who said, let there be light, is causing light to come into your lives. And so uh, Paul is praying for that kind of release of power to happen in some place very specific, very personal. In fact, uh, that part of us that many times we don't let anyone into. Uh, Paul says he's praying for that work of power to happen in their inner person. And we might think, well, if God really answered that prayer, what would take place? Would we explode? You know, would we overinflate from the inside out? Uh, What would happen if the God of the universe uh, literally flipped the switch and released his power into our inner person? Well, what Paul envisions, he prays very specifically for. He says this power would be released so that Christ could live in your hearts through faith. Uh, Now, this is an interesting outcome to a working of power. And what Paul is suggesting is that unless unless God does something powerful, these friends of his who have faith in Jesus will live their lives without an awareness of his presence, without an engagement of the living Jesus being uh, active and present and uh, loving and powerful in their lives. Well, here's a good question to kind of get us towards what Paul is actually praying for. Do you ever wish Jesus was more real to you? Or have you ever found yourself wondering why he isn't? You know, where where is Jesus when I'm going through it? Uh, why can't I hear his voice? Why can't I feel his leadership? Why can't I sense his strength and his love? Uh, he's risen. He's promised his presence. Uh, Jesus said, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of this age. He said uh, in John 14, as he was preparing to ascend back to the Father after his crucifixion and resurrection, he said, I'll not leave you as orphans. 
I'll come to you, I'll be with you, and I'll, you'll have this sense that you are in me and we are in the Father together. Uh, and so I would ask you again, do you ever wish that Jesus felt more real in your life and that you felt more near to him? Well, according to Paul's prayer, there are things going on inside of us that need a work of power. Uh, otherwise, those things left untouched will distance us from the presence of Jesus. So you might say, well, what are those things? Well, here's uh, some that I, I know to be true. Uh, my emotional brokenness can distance me from the living presence of Jesus. Uh, my emotional hang-ups, my emotional wounds, uh, my emotional distortions can all distance me from the living presence of Jesus in my life. Uh, you know, there's a, a book that I've referenced before. It's called uh, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And uh, in this book, the pastor wonders, how is it that we can learn so much about God? How, how is it that we can know so much about the message of Christianity? How, why is it that we can go through all of the rituals and all of the practices and have all the right uh, supposedly priorities and values and yet remain so emotionally immature? And you might say, well, I'm not sure that could happen. Uh, could I actually acquire all kinds of religious knowledge and remain emotionally immature? Well, uh, check out this description of some of the stages of emotional maturity. First, uh, there are emotional infants. And uh, here are some of the characteristics of uh, emotional infancy. Uh, we look for others to take care of us. We have great difficulty entering into the world of others or seeing uh, with eyes of empathy. We are driven by the need for instant gratification. And we use others as objects to meet our own needs. Well, then uh, the next step in the progression would be uh, emotional children. And uh, here are some of the uh, nuances of uh, this stage of emotional development. Our content, uh, we are content and happy as long as we receive what we want. Uh, we unravel quickly from stress, disappointments, and trials. Uh, emotional uh, uh, children are easily hurt. They complain and withdraw and manipulate, take revenge, and become sarcastic when they don't get their way. And some of you are thinking, wait a minute, you're getting too close for comfort here. Uh, emotional children uh, have great difficulty calmly discussing their needs and wants in a mature and loving way. And then the next uh, step, if we're progressing in our emotional development, would be emotional adolescence. Uh, tend to often <clears throat> be defensive, are threatened and alarmed by criticism, keep score for what they give or of, of what they give so that they can ask for something later in return, deal with conflict poorly, often blaming, appeasing, and going to a third party, pouting or ignoring the issue entirely. Uh, okay, that's one that clings to me. Uh, become preoccupied with themselves. Have great difficulty truly listening to another person's pain, disappointments, or needs, and are critical and often judgmental. Well, then, uh, thank God, 
there is a, the stage called emotional adults. They're able to ask for what they need, want, or prefer clearly, directly, and honestly. They recognize, manage, and take responsibility for their own thoughts and feelings. They state their own beliefs and values without becoming adversarial. Uh, that's one that's uh, challenging in today's world. They respect others without having to change them. They give people room to make mistakes and not be perfect. They appreciate people for who they are, the good, the bad, the ugly, and not for what they can give back. They accurately assess their own limits, strengths, and weaknesses, and are able to freely discuss them with others. Uh, they are deeply in tune with their own emotional world and able to enter into the feelings, needs, and concerns of others without losing touch with themselves. They have the capacity to resolve conflict maturely and negotiate solutions that consider the perspective of others. And you might say, well, how in the world do you arrive at that place? And is that really a prerequisite for experiencing the presence of Jesus? Well, I would say they go hand in hand. It's almost like that demon-possessed man, uh, when Jesus first approached him, he thought he was there to torment him, but little did he realize that Jesus was there to bring him to a place of health and wholeness. And so my emotional brokenness can distance me from the living presence of Jesus, but uh, also my mental resistance can distance me from the living presence of Jesus. You know, we saw in a series we were in last month called Almost Happy, how much of our lives of faith, much of our narrative, uh, much of our story as we experience it is determined by what goes on in our heads, in our thoughts. Uh, as a man thinks, so he becomes, the scripture said. And so we're invited uh, to allow our lives to be changed, Paul says in Romans 12, by the renewing of our minds. And, and so... Uh, the reality is our minds can become barriers to our experience of the living presence of Jesus. Uh, Paul writes about this in 2 Corinthians 10. He says, uh, we have proud thoughts that lift themselves up against the knowledge of God. And that these thoughts, uh, the more we think them, the more established they become. They actually become fortresses in our minds that barricade us from the active, real, living presence that Jesus promised to be in our lives. And so uh, Paul says there's divine weaponry that is, that is powerful for the pulling down of these strongholds, for removing the kind of thinking that distances us from the presence of Jesus. And so my emotional brokenness, my uh, mental resistance, uh, can can separate me from the presence of Christ. And finally, my spiritual blindness can distance me from the living presence of Jesus. Uh, Jesus, uh, as he walked through this world, as recorded in the Gospels, many times uh, declared that he was present with them. Uh, in fact, some of the other disciples said, we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten Son, and uh, Jesus said, it's your hardness of heart that keeps you from recognizing who is in your midst. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 1, earlier in this letter that we're looking at, uh, Paul prayed for his friends that the eyes of their hearts would be enlightened 
so that they would know the hope of their calling, the riches of their inheritance, and the power that is at work in them. And so their own spiritual blindness was separating them from the power of Jesus' living presence. And I would ask you this, uh, is there a higher cost that followers of Christ could incur than trying to live without his presence? Think about that. Is there a higher price we could pay for doing life? Uh, We've been promised the very active and real presence of Jesus uh, to try and live without it. Jesus said in John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing. And yet how often we try to have the one in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge completely available to me, but I'm not able to see him or hear him or respond to his leadership and his loving presence in my life. To have been made rich in every way in Christ, but to be incapable of experiencing the power of his presence, it's a great cost, and it's one that we don't need to incur incur. I was thinking of this uh, this old gospel hymn, and it says uh, the phrase again and again, he was there all the time. He was there all the time. Uh, even though uh, I went through challenges wondering, where is Christ? How do I access his love? How do I experience his forgiveness? How do I enjoy his leadership? Well, that the song declares, he was there all the time. I just couldn't see him. My own emotional brokenness, my own mental resistance, and my spiritual blindness were separating me from enjoying the fullness of his presence. And so Paul's prayer, he's asking God to address those issues in our inner person, and that it wouldn't just be uh, uh, inactive power. It wouldn't be uh, insufficient power. It would be God accessing all of his glorious riches and doing a work that is so powerful that like that demon-possessed man, there would be a dramatic change in our experience of Christ. But wait, uh, there's more as Paul uh, continues his prayer. He says, I pray that uh, you being rooted and established in love. And so this prayer for the presence of Jesus uh, comes with the promise of a a sure foundation. It's almost like God is pouring cement uh, into the the very uh, foundation of our soul. And uh, and as Paul prays for this work of power, uh, one of the outcomes would be that we would be rooted and established, founded in love. And that, that, that foundation that's being poured into our lives, you could almost think of it as a, as a launch pad. And when that launch pad of love uh, completely and uh, incalculably loved, uh, just amazingly, completely, unconditionally loved by God, it would form such a strong basis in our lives that Paul says we would be able to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. See, what Paul is praying for is that uh, this work of power would move us beyond uh, thinking good thoughts about God, uh, though that is uh, certainly beneficial. 
It would move us beyond uh, having a lot of knowledge about God in our heads, and it would catapult us into an experience of the love of Christ in our lives. You know, it's been said that the greatest distance on earth is the 18 inches between our heads and our hearts. And Paul is saying this, this power that he's asking for God to release in our inner person does that very thing and allows us to, to grasp and explore and experience. See, God wants to empower us to explore and experience the limitless love of Jesus. And that's one of the best uses of uh, the greatest power in the universe is to make us capable of exploring and experiencing the infinite love that is expressed through Jesus Christ. And if that's not enough, I would say, but wait, there's still more to Paul's prayer. He, he, he goes on that uh, you being rooted and grounded in love together with all the saints, grasping the height and depth and width and breadth of the love of Christ, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I want you to read those words with me. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Uh, can we even begin to get our heads around that? Uh, what would it mean uh, for humans to be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. You know, that would be like uh, uh, taking the Mona Lisa and uh, putting it in a closet, putting the infinite fullness of God in people like you and I. Uh, but that's what Paul's praying for. You know, that would be like taking the crown jewels and putting them in a shoebox in the garage. Uh, worse yet, it would be like having the queen herself show up at your home and uh, making her sleep on the couch. Well, all of those pale in comparison to what Paul is praying, that through this work of power, uh, Jesus would come to actually live in us in an exceptional way, that we would be rooted and grounded and established in his love, that all of life would become an, an exploration and an experience of the fullness of his love, and that, that very exploration would begin to cause the fullness of God to, to fill us up in every possible way. Well, uh, you know, I would say this. Uh, how big is your God? You know, is your God too small? Are your expectations too tame? Are your hopes and your dreams too timid for a prayer like this to be realized in your life? You know, we, we looked at this quote of C.S. Lewis recently, and I think it's so applicable when we read a prayer like this uh, he literally says, uh, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy, when the fullness of the, uh, the fullness of God is being offered to us in the very living presence of Jesus Christ. I think when God would invite us uh, to enlarge our expectations, and to let his power do something unusual and great that will uh, be transformative. You know, uh, Paul ends this prayer with, I think, the only appropriate way that it could be ended. He says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine, according to his power 
that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and forever. Amen. You see, it's, it's true that the only way we could truly reveal God is by experiencing this work of power that, that heals our brokenness, that moves us beyond our hang-ups, that actually uh, breaks down the barriers that exist within our minds that distance us from the living God, and that heals our spiritual blindness, that we can see that he is indeed uh, here all the time as he promised he would be. Uh, would you pray with me? Uh, maybe as you heard uh, these words, have you, as you've been listening to this message this weekend, you're thinking, you know, I need Jesus in my life. I need to call upon him. And I just want to say to you, the Bible could not be clear. It says anyone who calls on the name of Jesus Christ will experience salvation. Uh, God will uh, birth them anew by his spirit. You'll become a new creation and he'll begin this, this work of empowering you to live the way you always hoped you could and the way that he has designed you to experience his love and his fullness. And like any one of us, that journey with Christ begins with a single step. That, that step is just saying, Jesus, I need you. I'm going to ask you right where you're at right now, just to acknowledge that. Whether you're alone or you, you're with a room full of people, uh, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to just raise your hand and say, Jesus, I, I need you. One, two, three, raise your hand. Jesus, I need you in my life. And he will do what he promised he would do. Uh, he will bring his presence. He will bring his forgiveness. He will bring his joy. He will begin to work his fullness. And, and if you're experiencing oppression, entrapment, brokenness, uh, just the lack of spiritual energy. Uh, he wants to begin to pour his goodness into you. Uh, so I would invite you, uh, everyone together, just pray these words with me. Uh, Father God, you are indeed the Father in heaven uh, from whom all families in heaven and on earth derive their name. And, and I'm asking you, God, according to what I know to be true, what is witnessed through all of creation, that you are a God of fullness, that you are a God of might and of power, but also you are a loving God. Just as Jesus taught and as he lived, you are a good father who loves to meet our needs and loves to pour out your generosity into our lives. And so, Lord, we're, we're opening our hearts to you in a fresh way. We're asking you, Lord, if, if there's any part on the inside of us in our inner person that needs to be touched by your power, Lord, whether it's emotionally in our minds and thinking or, or spiritually, Lord, at the very core of who we are, we're asking right now, God, that you would do what you love to do. Uh, release your power. Engage uh, your activity, Lord, right where we need to experience you today. And Lord, let us begin to be anchored, rooted, grounded let that cement of the love of god for us begin to harden at the core of our lives lord so that we can explore the fullness of your love and we can begin to fill up to the full measure of the fullness of god i pray lord god that you would open the eyes of our understanding 
allow us to quit shrinking you down to our size and allow you to expand us so that we can fill up with more of your goodness. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.